This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. This is an experiential conference, and I've been doing this for six years to create a community where people can meet each other who are really into this. But biohacking is largely the art and science of changing the environment around you so that you have more control of your biology. Hello again and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Well, in this episode, we're going to do something different. This past weekend, I've been at the annual biohacking conference hosted by Upgrade Labs in Beverly Hills, California. And during the course of the next hour, we're going to hear from several of the speakers and exhibitors at the conference that I got to meet and hear about their particular field of biohacking, everything from cryotherapy to enhancing neuroplasticity, flow meditation, mitochondrial health and infrared saunas. The interviews will be shorter than usual because we've got a lot to cram in. But if you're interested in the intersection between science, self-improvement, human longevity and why biohacking is now in the dictionary, I hope you'll be as enthralled as I've been exploring this futuristic world. In fact, it's the present world. It's all happening now. Now, I should say that we're sharing these ideas, but if you're planning any kind of intervention, change in lifestyle, be it diet, exercise, anything new that could affect your health, you should first check with your doctor, just to be safe. So with that said, let's get started with the man who is often credited with being the father of biohacking, Dave Asprey, the founder of Bulletproof and the inspiration behind Upgrade Labs. Dave Asprey, welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Thank you for having me on. It's uh, really good to meet you. I was uh, in your keynote speech yesterday, and there were two phrases that uh, stuck with me. You said, there's no limit, and biohacking is a real thing now. What do you mean by that? Well, biohacking didn't exist 10 years ago. I decided that I wanted to create a community to pull together all the disparate groups of humans working on making ourselves better with all sorts of different goals. And last year, Merriam-Webster's added biohacking to the dictionary as one of 840 new words in the English language. And my name's actually in the definition, which was surprising and awesome. And that's why one of the reasons it's real. You've also seen biohacking written about in The Guardian. You've seen it written about in Mademoiselle in Glamour, in Wired magazine. You've seen it all over the place. So it isn't just the world of Silicon Valley. It isn't just the world of Wall Street or the world of Hollywood, which is where it took off first. It's everywhere. It is now an acknowledged thing that says, oh, those are the people who want to take control of their own biology. And they might have different goals. Some people want to be real muscular. Some people like you and me want to live to at least 180. And some people just want a ton of energy or they want to be the best musician in the world. It doesn't matter. We're, we're wired at our core to be better at what we like to do. And the biohackers are the ones who are going to do it no matter what it takes. You're going to live to 180? Is that a, a promise or an aspiration? Actually, it was at least 180. At I, least 180. I think How I'm are doing, you going to achieve that? Well, I know right now that we can do 120 because we have multiple people who've done it. And they did it without the benefits of the knowledge we have today. 
In fact, we're exponentially increasing our knowledge. There are tens of millions of medical studies on the PubMed website, and the number of new medical studies coming in every day is more than any human can consume. This was not the same way 20 years ago. So our set sum of knowledge of our own bodies, of our own biology, is exploding in the most beautiful way. Given that, and given that I have another 140 years, give or take, I'm 46 now, I'm pretty sure we can do 50%. In fact, if we can't do 50%, it's because a comet hit the planet. I work in the anti-aging field. For 20 years, I've run an anti-aging nonprofit education and research group in Silicon Valley. I know the people doing the work. I take the stuff that extends rat lifespans by 90%. And I do a lot of other things. In fact, my next book on anti-aging, I'm like, this is shown to improve lifespan by 20%, this one by 10%, this one by that. So you can't add all those percentages up, but given what we already know about extending lifespan, at least in animals and knowing that we're animals, I'm really not willing to wait until I'm dead to find out if it works. I'm pretty sure it's going to work, and I know the people doing the work that's going to give me that extra 80 years. I share your enthusiasm, and probably the, the biggest uh, biohack that I've been involved in is the fasting mimicking diet. I was part of one of uh, the USC's early human studies uh, in that, and I've been doing it for a, a few years and, uh, and continue to. In terms of your daily hacks, what do you do? In 2014, I wrote the Bulletproof Diet based on what I'd done before that, and intermittent fasting is a core part of it. I recommend a protein fast once a week or a full 24-hour fast. I start out every day, and I have for 10 years, with Bulletproof coffee. And this is for a very particular reason. The coffee doesn't have toxins in it, but the grass-fed butter, and in particular the brain octane oil, raise ketone levels. Caffeine itself is shown to double ketone production in the morning. So I wake up every morning, I put myself in a mild state of ketosis. Ketosis has all sorts of metabolic benefits, and if I'm going to have a really busy day, I might put up to 400 calories in my breakfast, but I burn 3,000 calories a day as my, my metabolic rate because I'm relatively muscular and I'm 6'4 and I'm strong. So, by the way, 6'4, that's two meters, give or take. And <laughs> we understand that. What I'm doing there is I'm keeping my insulin from going up at all, which is really cool. And then I do not restrict my calories on every day. But when I want to restrict my calories, I can go 24, 48, 56 hours without feeling pain, without it being difficult at all. So an occasional once every couple weeks, once a month fast for at least 24 hours and an intermittent fast most days. But the intermittent fast, it's okay to have certain amounts of fat in the morning because you're not turning on any protein digestion. So all the protein digesting enzymes can still work in the body for autophagy and things like that. And you can do other things with no insulin levels. So the body's mostly asleep, but the fat gives you the energy so that you can wake up and do all the things you want to do. And that's been working for years. My insulin sensitivity is a perfect one on a scale of one to 160. My glucose tolerance is high. And I'm formerly obese and at high risk for stroke and heart attack and uh, formerly pre-diabetic. And I had all the bad stuff going on when I was young, arthritis since I was 14. Turned all that stuff off. So what do you say to the critics and talking about bulletproof coffee? And I know you're well aware of the arguments. We've had Dr. Joe Kahn on the podcast, cardiologist, who would never drink one of those things, um, largely because of the, the fat content. Well, it's really funny. 
to hear there are a few of these plant-based people left out there and i mean joel and i are friends he's been on my show as well yeah he said uh, but it it doesn't make any sense. And by the way, I was a raw vegan. I was on a low fat diet when I weighed 300 pounds. I worked out an hour and a half a day, six days a week on a low fat diet, plant based, semi vegetarian. You want to feel like crap? You want to get autoimmune issues? And you want to become a flighty, angry person? Go vegan. This is how it works. My favorite plant based protein is called ricin. It's a nerve gas that was used in the Tokyo subway tax. Therefore, following vegan logic, all plant based proteins are bad. The whole premise of the vegan diet being healthy is that this China study book that came out a long time ago said because casein, which is an inflammatory protein from milk, contributes to cancer, therefore all animal proteins contribute to cancer. It's garbage science. It does not work. And as a formerly devout vegan, I am one of tens of thousands of people who are made sick by that diet, whose testosterone levels went down, whose autoimmune levels went up. So it's time that we stopped worshiping the 1970s low-fat stuff and we get off of that and we realize that different fats do different things for aging. Your cell membranes, every one of them in your body, are made out of fat. They're tiny droplets of fat that make a bubble around each cell. And your body conserves saturated fat. 45% of your cells will be saturated fats no matter what you eat because saturated fats are so critical to human performance. Your cells don't work without it. Then you have some amount of monounsaturated fat, about 30%. And if you eat more monounsaturated fat, a little bit more will go up. But if you go on one of these plant-based garbage diets, and I'm just going to have to say it the way it is, what ends up happening is that your levels of omega-6 fatty acids go up very high. And your omega-6 and omega-3 fats are the only fats that you can really manipulate the levels of with your diet. When you go on a vegan diet for a short period of time, whether it's low fat or not, it doesn't matter. The type of fat that's going to be in there is going to be this omega-6 oil. For a short period of time, an increase in omega-6 increases thyroid hormone output because the cells are stressed and they're not making energy properly because your mitochondria just got broken by your diet. Well, when your thyroid levels go up, you feel great for about six to eight weeks. It's called the vegan trap. And then you feel really good. You're convinced that this diet is the solution. And then your teeth start to break. Then your face looks gaunt. Then you get cold. Then you get autoimmune issues. And then you don't like your life. And then you start yelling at everyone around you and blaming them for eating bacon that you desperately want to eat. And, well, the cure for that is really straightforward. Butter. And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. We have to wrap up because I know you're short of time. I just want to ask you one final question. We're at this extraordinary conference this week. You mentioned Hollywood and, and biohacking, Silicon Valley, essentially is where it all started. There is a, a sense, I think perhaps with some people, that it is a kind of a playground for the rich and famous. So what I'm curious about is how you can extend the benefits of, of biohacking essentially to everyone, those people who can't afford to be here but desperately need help in their health and well-being. This is an experiential conference, 
And I've been doing this for six years to create a community where people can meet each other who are really into this. But biohacking is largely the art and science of changing the environment around you so that you have more control of your biology. All of my books, I talk about here's what you can do that's really expensive if you're crazy or you're rich. Here's what you can do that's affordable for most people. And here's what you can do that's free. Anyone can afford to have a bedroom that's dark. And that alone can change your blood sugar regulation and improve how long you're going to live because you sleep better. It's actually cheaper to turn the water to cold at the end of your shower in the morning than it is to keep it hot. This is a zero-cost intervention. In fact, most of the lifestyle hacks you can do. The, the science in Headstrong, which is my New York Times science best-selling book, which blew me away that I got on that list because it was meant to be an advice book. It just happened to have a lot of science in it. If you walk for 20 minutes a day, there's a huge body of science that says that's the amount of movement that you need and that that's going to keep your mitochondria healthy from one pathway. There's another set of science that says if once or maybe twice a week for 10 minutes you do something that makes you cry or sweat really hard, lift heavy things or sprint a little bit, that that'll do another set of things that makes you live longer and makes your mitochondria work better. So you do those two things. It doesn't cost anything to do those. You do those, you clean up your diet as much as you can afford, and you learn how to sleep and this is for everyone. We need to build this into our society. I'm about to go and wander around this conference, talk to some of the exhibitors, some of the speakers, and hopefully share some of those ideas. Dave Asprey, thank you very much indeed. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. My name is Dr. Barry Morgulin. I'm a gastroenterologist, endoscopic surgeon. I've been working at UCLA in Los Angeles uh, for over 30 years. I've been teaching endoscopy. Uh, I have two practices in Los Angeles, and I've been doing that successfully uh, and doing research, uh, as I said, starting 30 years ago, but about 25 years ago, I just felt that although I was able to help everybody and fix, take their tumors out and have get people well, that I was bothered. People were like suffering before they got to see me. And there was this one lady who I remember discharging and she says, you know, doc, you took my tumor out with the endoscope. Great. No cut. Fantastic. But, you know, I've been suffering for like two months before I got here. And then there's post-op and, all, and I've got 10 children in my life. And I just kept feeling with every one of my patients in the emergency room that people, in terms of getting to see, and I'm at the top institution, that people get to see me as a doctor or anybody. And I'm teaching internationally. And all we do is fix things after they've happened. And I said, this is not going to change. But this is 25 years ago. I said, i got to do something about it. Of course, I asked other doctors, and they all went, are you crazy? What are you looking for, a fountain of youth? There wasn't even integrative medicine then, uh, let alone biohacking. So then I just decided that I was going to go on a search at that time to try to find if it existed something alternative to just fixing people and helping them that way rather than what I wanted, which is you don't get sick at all. Rather, you get to be your own doctor, your own guru. And so I went all over the world. I went probably 160,000 miles over the next seven years. I went everywhere, South America, Central America, uh, Africa, Korea, every, every place just to learn what they had alternative and whether I could bring it back to the U.S. So, of course, psychedelic drugs like they have now doesn't make any difference. Um, uh, shaman and uh, wild dress and all those different energies doesn't make any You can't bring it back to patients here or in England. Um, in England, there was the Bach remedies, which were useful, but it wasn't enough to prevent disease. I want to preempt you getting ill. I want you to stay strong forever and not need to come in and get fixed. Not necessarily the fountain of youth, though. It's not the fountain of youth, but it is your birthright. Your birthright, believe it or not, you're going to find out if you, when I finish the story, you won't believe it, is actually to be succeeding in all eight areas all the time. That's what the Grandmaster trained me in. So what I did was I went 
where I worked in Germany, I worked in Italy, I worked in France, I worked in England, all these different places. I would do endoscopy. Um, and I've got the, uh, the uh, news articles from back then that I'm going to show during the lecture. And, and just for anyone who doesn't know, endoscopy is... It's the flexible scope so we don't have to cut you on the skin. Right. We can go from the inside, take it out, fix it, burn it, um, replace it, and then you, don't have, you can go home the same day, which is great. But there's all this suffering beforehand. And plus you have the disease. And plus you've got no protection from getting the next thing. What about the next thing after you leave? You know, we have frequent flyers in the emergency room all the time. So the point is... I didn't find what I wanted, even in psychic surgery in the Philippines. You know, if you've ever heard about that, it's, it's wild. And even with all the uh, strange herbs in Central America. So finally I said, I'm going to China. So I went to China. I was teaching the hospitals there. I've got newspaper clippings so that I'm having a great time. Uh, and they taught me acupuncture with really long needles. They taught me um, herbology with the real stuff where you have to go find it on a mountain, boil it down, including, you know... Uh, bat wings and all these other things and then serve it to the patient and I also drank it just to see what this is like so I learned all that uh, herbology and still it wasn't something I could bring back I'm not going to bring back a truckload of bat wings to UCLA so finally I saw one day in one of the rooms there's a picture of this uh, guy this grandmaster who was treating somebody but not touching him his two fingers out like this and so I, I brought it to the chief there and I said hey what is this he says oh that's, the, that's our number one repository of all Chinese medicine for the history of medicine back since Wan Di and Lao Tzu, 2,500 years. And I said, great, I want to meet him. They go, impossible, forget it. I went, come on, I really want to meet him. This is my search. He said, he won't see people. It's super expensive even back then, and plus he doesn't want visitors. Plus you'd have to have a government pass. This is not going to happen. But I persisted. Finally, uh, it took me months, but finally I got to get there. So finally I got up to the big mountain all the way to the monastery, and I got to come to the camp where he was doing it. I watched him do things that were just mind-blowing, like heal a lesion without even touching it from a distance. And you know when you cut yourself and you wake up in the morning, you hope that it heals, and you know that it heals somehow, but you know your body does it, but you know how it does it. They figured out how he did it, or Lao Tzu did it, and handed it down all the way to him. It's always been a verbal tradition. And so when I got there, I said, can I see the books? This is no books. Nothing. It's all verbal tradition for 2,500 years. It derived from Lao Tzu, the guy who invented the yin-yang symbol, you know, the Tao Te Ching. All that is was verbal. And then I said, well, let me just keep studying you because my major in college was anthro, anthropology. So he, one day he came to me and said, would you like to learn? I said, great, I would love to learn. Are you kidding? He said, then he said, you could get your dream. He says, the only problem is, he says, um, <clears throat> there's no malpractice here. So it's very dangerous and nobody makes it. I went, nobody? He says, nobody makes it. You're only meant to make it as far this lifetime in this spiritual tradition as you are meant to be. And so I said, okay. But he wasn't kidding. There was, I got injured plenty of times. A couple guys died, which I didn't like. Uh, but it was very, 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 very dangerous because um, you get tested every level to see if I can do what he wants me to learn the next level is to help people. And bringing that up to date then, what you learned then and what you do now. What I did now. So I brought it back to the U.S. The two kinds of about, practices complement mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. What's so complementary is that Western medicine is great for fixing things after they happen. This discipline I brought back is so that you can keep yourself not only successful in staying healthy and physically able, because it's, it's a set of practices, because all it is is you have these vibrational sensors in your body that Lao Tzu figured out. It's all quantum physics. And you can open them up yourself when you're a little kid, but then you lose it. And later, you can do whatever you want. You can take all the psychedelics or anything else. You may get a blip, but you won't be able to keep it open. But if you think about it, remember when you used to 
I don't know, you got kids, or if you ever saw a little girl trying to ride a bike, two-wheeler, you know, she falls off, skins her knee, still falls through the times, cries, and then finally said, don't worry, you will get there. Now, how do you know you'll get there? Because you know inside is this sensor called balance. You don't know where it works, how it works, but you know that it's there. She finds it, and all of a sudden she can ride forever. Once it clicks in, well, guess what? Lao Tzu discovered that you have thousands of those sensors inside your body for everything. Staying healthy, making money, having relationships, being happy. Yeah, happiness, everybody goes, I'm happy. happy." You don't have to do that. Your whole body's built with all these amino acids and hormones to have you be happy as long as those sensors are open. Just like the sensor for hearing, sensor for seeing. So along the way, I've, I was private. I wanted to collect testimonials first because I was still doing Western practice for the past 14 years. Uh, and so Tony Robbins is one of my clients. Dave came, and I helped Dave with this book. And the book is a huge success. And I'm in, actually in the book with a whole... Uh, exercise that I brought back and now we have on the website tons of different things that you can do at home so that my goal for you to be not only successful in money but successful in love successful in your health successful in creativity we have a lot of playwrights we have a lot of athletes who are in the NBA NHL all those people are succeeding you have your life is going to be let's, let's forward cast you 20 years from now they did studies of people as they get into the latter part of whatever you call your life they all have regrets Every one of them have regrets. And why they regrets? Because they never got to do all the things they knew they wish they could, but everybody told them you can't. This process returns you to that birthright so you won't have regrets. So you'll be growing and learning and becoming the person you want to be. We're limited by time for this conversation, but you mentioned Dave, and Dave makes it very public that he aspires to live to at least 180 years old. Yeah, you want to know why he says that? Why does he say that? We were having a discussion in my office one day. This is a number of years ago while I was writing the book, and he says... I said, Dave, you know, you keep doing the practices. It's possible you can live to be 163. That's how long Lao Tzu lived. And he went, well, then I'm going to live to be 180 or 200. I went, okay, with all your extra hacking, that's probably true because you can upgrade. Because remember, this is the most important thing I'm going to say. The yin-yang symbol has many interpretations, but it's really all quantum physics. And it's the fact that at every moment, you and I have one choice. Either you want to go the contracting pathway, which is just take medications, drugs, get hurt, slowly get arthritis, get weak, and then finally crumble and get depressed and then die. Or the expansion pathway, which is every day, you're meant to be, what, alive. And to be alive means it's going to be new. You're going to expand. You're going to develop new things, new qualities every day. So you won't know how you're going to do that. But with these exercises, these practices, they open up your senses so that you become able to ferret your way in any of your goals. And it's mandatory in all the, all the programs that, have, that I brought back. Just like the Grandmaster set for me, you have to have a goal in all eight areas where you're supposed to be getting stronger, better, younger, more healthy, happy. Dave loves that because he's turned it into his whole biohacking program. But it's your birthright. Well, I know you have uh, a lot of links that I will actually link to in the show notes for this episode that will help explain what you're talking about in much more detail. Barry, it's been a, a great pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much. It's been great meeting you, and the news that you and I see every day does not have to be your news. One of the nice things about events like this is you run into old friends. Dr. Charles Brenner was a guest on our podcast. I think it was episode 53, and we talked about NAD and its precursor. And now you're the chief scientific advisor to Chromadex. You've just given a long and, and very detailed talk here today about cell metabolism and, and related issues. Good to see you again. Great to see you, Peter. And how is your work going? My work is going great. I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to 
um, make a contribution to metabolism and, and now to human health. And this conference, very wide-ranging, it's, it's about biohacking, it's about the future of well-being, and uh, uh, certainly references have been made already to the fact that I think biohacking has, has come of age, that people are beginning to be aware of it. Do you sense that? Oh, it's clearly um, part of human consciousness now. We learned this morning that it's in the Webster's Dictionary right now. That's what I'm referring to, yes. <laughs> So it's kind of, it's moved over that fine line, hasn't it? Certainly has. What, however, for maybe people who don't know too much about biohacking and, and what it involves, how do you see its importance in terms of the future of, of health and well-being and those of us who are interested in healthy aging? Well, I think that the key to biohacking is measuring your own performance and how you feel. Journaling is a form of biohacking, right? If you Um, do something different, if you change your diet, if you change your physical activity, you feel better or worse, you're trying to optimize your health. And similarly, as people adopt um, nicotinamide riboside as part of their routine, they have the potential to monitor changes in their performance as well. So you mentioned NR. For people who haven't heard, and I would recommend you go back and listen to uh, our long conversation, what's the latest on your research? So the latest is that we found that um, during pregnancy and postpartum in mice and rats, that there's a very specific metabolic stress to the NAD system. And um, the uh, postpartum uh, mouse or rat liver is actually redistributing almost a third of its NAD throughout the mom's body in order to boost her NAD metabolome in her mammary by over 20-fold. And the depressed NAD in the liver seems to be depressing all of her functions so that if we boost her NAD metabolism by giving her oral NR, she has an advantage in post-gestational weight loss. She has an advantage in uh, lactation, as well as producing um, milk that has more bioactive molecules in it, such that her offspring do better than control offspring. That's quite remarkable. And this is our animal model research at the moment. Yes, it is. Um, We're really excited to test whether NR will um, safely improve uh, milk production in in women and potentially have benefits for their offspring as well. I was interested in the questions you had at the end. A lot of, inevitably, people are interested in in safety and and dosage especially. Yes, of course. So um, we've done uh, quite a lot of studies showing that um, oral NR is safely tolerated, that at doses from 100 milligrams per day to two grams per day that we don't see adverse events when compared to placebo. Um, recently, we've changed the dosing on true niogen from 250 milligrams a day to 300 milligrams a day to be more in parallel with some of the clinical studies that we've published. And I picked up on your point, and I think you talked about it with me last time, about not being anti or anti aging. You, you, you still firmly believe in that. And it's kind of music to my ears to hear people like you talk about that. I kind of recoil at the concept of anti-aging because I think aging is something we should embrace. We want to respect uh, aging. We want to age well. And uh, so essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to maintain our youthful bounce, our resiliency, our capacity for self-repair. And because our NAD system is under attack by conditions 
of metabolic stress as well as aging, um, that's kind of the use case for NR to help us maintain our resiliency. So it was great to talk to you. Thank you very much, Charles. Thank you so much, Peter. Good to see you. My name is Lauren Hansen, and I'm with CryoScience, the manufacturer of the CryoArctic, which is a full-body chamber, uh, the only one in the market, of for cryotherapy. Our machine, what makes it different is most of the saunas that you'll typically find in cryotherapy that go up, you know, you've probably seen, uh, they go up to their shoulders. So those machines directly infuse the nitrogen into the tank, and ours takes the nitrogen, cools the air outside of the tank, and then pushes completely breathable air into the tank. Perfect. You've just actually anticipated my first question because (laughs) you're absolutely right. Now, I was trying to figure out what's different about this, and this is, it's like stepping into an old-style telephone box. It is. Where you stand inside and you close the door. Exactly. The other cryotherapy chambers if you want to describe them like that you peep over the top your head is not exposed to what's going on inside and the reason for that is because they're put they're directly um, injecting the nitrogen into those tanks and then as it comes through it vaporizes so one of the other biggest things that you'll notice with this machine if you ever do the saunas because they have to vaporize that nitrogen, it creates like a wind that makes the treatment actually a little bit more uncomfortable. And because they take the nitrogen out of ours, it comes in, the air comes in in a more gentle flow. So you're feeling just as cold, but you don't feel that wind. And it really cuts down on, in my opinion, a lot of the like anxiousness when you're in there. Well, that's I think a lot of people's reservation, isn't it? That it's going to be too cold to bear. It's going to be quite painful possibly. And people think that, but the other thing that you have to uh, know with cryotherapy is that it's a dry cold. So I always tell people if you're going to do an ice bath, which is warmer, if you're going to jump in the Pacific Ocean, warmer, all of those are going to feel colder and feel worse than doing this, even though this is much, much colder. So you're getting these physiological responses. Your brain is signaling that you're you're in danger. So what it does is it ox it it sends signals to create oxygen in your blood, and it draws the stagnant blood from your arms and legs into your core. And then uh, as soon as you step out, your brain registers, oh, I'm fine. And it starts pumping all of that freshly oxygenated blood back through your body. And what is the main benefit of doing this? I know for athletes, there's a certain recovery benefit. Yes, so recovery is huge. Um, I would say the biggest benefit and what the most amount of people can benefit from, especially in our society that's become very sedentary, is that people have a lot of pain, aches, People have upper cross, lower cross. They're just not, their posture is bad. Um, so it creates a lot of problems in your body. And this can actually get rid of chronic pain. So um, the process of delivering freshly oxygenated blood multiple times through the body. So if you use it therapeutically, um, like you don't want to just do it one time and be like, I'm healed. But if you use it as a therapy, like any other therapy, you will notice really that you can actually get rid of pain that you might have had for years. So I had a knee um, that I had injured when I was younger that would be intermittent pain. Like I've always been really fit. I've always been really into natural health. Um, so for me, I didn't want to do surgery. You know, I would just deal with the pain. It'd be like some days I'd be fine. Some days I'd be like, I'm limping around. I did cryotherapy. Um, that was actually how I got started into this industry was, um, you know, to heal that pain. And it 
completely is gone. Like there's no residual, like my knee is a fresh knee. So to me, that is amazing. Um, you know, there's other people who have arthritis, a lot of autoimmune conditions that create a lot of aches and pains. And it's really good for, you know, basically everyone. Anyone can benefit from it. How accessible is this to people? It's pretty accessible. Um, it's definitely the most popular in America, but um, our company is global. So these machines are manufactured in Poland. And then we have a parent company in Dubai, which is where this kind of all started. And um, we have distributors in every continent. So we, we have our machines everywhere. It's definitely in America um, become very um, popularized. But, you know, I, I, I definitely think in the future you'll see a lot more um, with the rest of the world. Is it affordable? It is. Um, to it. It depends. You know, everyone can charge what they want to charge. Um, the the actual, like, nitrogen that you're, you know, using in the treatment is kind of your real only, besides the actual equipment itself, your only real cost. So it actually is a really good business. It does have good margins. Um, can you give and, me an idea of what someone would so pay? So in America, you know, I would say most people for a single session charge anywhere from, like, 50 to, like, 95 and then um, people, you know, all do packages. So, like, you know, you buy 5, 10, 20, it lowers your price down. And then a lot of places do a monthly unlimited as well, um, which I think is a great, you know, way to encourage people to use it therapeutically. And how long do you have to be inside? Three minutes. Three minutes, very Three short. Three minutes is the max. Um, our machine starts two minutes at beginner, two and a half minutes at intermediate, and three minutes at your pro session. Um, but... A beginner can just as easily go in for three minutes. It just that last minute, you definitely are. It's mental. It's you're, you know, you're very cold. It's and mind you're over like, matter. Yes, mind over matter, 100. percent It's great to see you. Thank you yeah, very much. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Patrick Porter. I'm the um, chief brain tap officer at uh, Brain Tap Technologies. And what we do is we help people to maximize their brain function, and that's our part in the biohacking community. What, what I think biohacking is, is you take something that is naturally occurring, but only happens spontaneously, and you find the science behind it, and then you can replicate it over and over again. For instance, in ours, using light, for instance, we, we know that morning light and evening light triggers and energizes the brain and rejuvenates it, but most people aren't up in the morning and they don't go outside in the evening, so they don't get those, the nurturing light. So with our technology, we actually link that so that people are experiencing that whenever they want. They don't have to, the hacking part is you don't have to wait for sunrise or sunsets anymore. You can use light to do that. Frequencies, for instance, we can, we can biohack. If you're not feeling good and you have the resources and you live by the ocean, you can go sit by the ocean. And the ocean's going to resonate at 10 hertz frequency. It's going to make you feel good. Well, not everybody can go to the ocean. But if they're using the right technology, like what we have in our BrainTap system, our, our app, you can put that on and you get that sound frequency that literally trains the brain. That Our bodies are conditioned through something called frequency following response. But most people are they're scared of their environment. So that we either have the freeze response, the, 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 fear of, uh, the fear we have or we fight. You know, so there's a different responses we have in our body. And so we can hack that. We can interrupt that pattern, in other words. But most people, unfortunately, they're, they're, they're willing to give away their power 
and say, oh, EMF is bad, which could be bad. But the reality is there's technology now where we can protect ourselves just as well as be fearful of what's going on around us. So there's this thing called the circadian rhythm, which we're beginning to understand a lot about. And uh, people are adjusting their lifestyles and their daily rhythms according to what they understand their circadian rhythm to be. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you almost talking about bypassing this circadian rhythm to some extent to maximize the number of hours in the day to do what we want to do? A little of both. That's what the hacking part is all about. Uh, we don't have to rely on the sunset and sunrise again. The, the circadian rhythm is reset. We use Your eyes are closed while you're doing this, but we're using a 470 hertz uh, nanometer light frequency, which really triggers and resets the circadian rhythm. At night when we sleep, we should be going through three to four of these rhythms or, or sleep cycles. Most people don't because of stress. They don't know how to de-stress and get rid of it. So they never really get into that cycle. And so they have a high degree of a brainwave known as delta, which is that sleeping brainwave. And we want to wake up the brain. We actually have a saying, we have sessions we call digital coffee. So you, you don't need caffeine really to do it. You can do it through brainwave entrainment. And now with the science, back in the 80s when I was part of a group at Light and Sound Research, we invented the very first gadget, they called it at that time, because nobody knew what it was. This was before cell phones, before CDs. And when we started to adjust people's brains, they could take, a, people were talking about power naps, but we now know the science shows it takes three to four hours to have a really good power nap. Well, we can show that with the technology now, using the technologies available now, we can hack that and do it in 10 minutes. So if you're a high-powered executive, you don't have three hours to take a power nap. You can put these goggles on or use our app alone, put it on, boom, you're going to get your brain back in gear. And that resets that, what you're calling the circadian rhythm. I always thought that the ideal napping time was about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It, it would be, but would, if you really are, there's a piece of equipment called the mind mirror where we can measure the brain. Some, once you practice it and you learn it, if you're educated to do it right, you can do a power nap in 20 minutes. But only about 25% of the people can do that. So the other 75, they, they are all groggy because the brain doesn't get out of Delta. So what happens is they go, that power napping thing doesn't work for me because their brain doesn't know how to wake back up. And most of that has to do nowadays with inflammation. So that's where a lot of the other, what we're learning here at the conferences, they're t- teaching us how to ba- hack our biologies to get rid of the inflammation. But most of that inflammation that's happening now is in our brain. And that's what the amyloid plaque, that's such a big thing out there. We know that by doing light, sound, and vibration, we can actually increase gamma which they know breaks down the amyloid plaque and gets our brain functioning better interesting you should say that because we, we do hear a lot about inflammation but you rarely associate that with your brain well most people don't know that the brain only detoxes when you sleep so the big thing is everybody knows hey if i get a good night's sleep i function better i'm better at golf tennis whatever you're doing but the reality is they don't know how to hack their sleep to get better sleep so we teach people how to we we jokingly call it digital quaaludes because you can put on the equipment and actually train your brain to put you to sleep instead of make some people go i don't know how to put myself to sleep anymore the stress what we call the monkey mind gets too busy we can interrupt that pattern now with science and give them a better a better process because the brain knows how to do it when we were born we didn't have to go to training to do this we'd put our head on the pillow we'd go to sleep we didn't worry about things but because we we trained our brain we habituated into negative thinking maybe or the conditions of our life whether whatever those stressors are we can teach the brain to put those stressors in abeyance and then just go to sleep they're going to be there in the morning anyway so why not deal with them and the way that we gain access to this knowledge is through the app yes the, the simplest way is to just get on the app 
um, we, we actually have a gifting program with the app. So if you, if you want your listeners to learn about it, they can actually just go to getbraintap.com and they can have a free gift. They can also read my book. They can read all about the science there. It's a free gift we give to everybody because most people don't know about this. They think that uh, their brain, well, 10 years ago if we were talking, they would think our brain was fixed that you, were, you, were, you had an engineer's brain, you had an artist's brain, you had whatever. Now we know that the brain is plastic. They call it neuroplasticity. So we can retrain our brain just like we retrain the muscles in our arms and legs. But if we never work out our arms or never work out our legs, and we go, we don't have very big muscles in our legs, but we never work them out, how do we know? Um, another big thing that's out there in the hacking world is neurotransmitters, right? So we know if you're in a, a high state of inflammation in Delta, you're not sleeping very well, you're probably going to overproduce serotonin, which means you're going to have toxic serotonin. So they're going to try to prescribe you something. But out there in the drug world right now, the biggest drug right on the market is gabinoids. GABA is produced through theta. So you have your own neuropharmacy. What if you could activate that? That's what we're talking about. So when we teach you to go to Theta, you're literally hacking the brain's neuropharmacy and saying, hey, I want a delivery of uh, gabinoids right now. And this gab, the gab is produced through the Theta brainwave. Acetylcholine, which makes you feel good, why we like to do art and tennis or do sports to get into the zone. Most people, they go, wow, I felt really good today. I woke up on the right side of the bed. Well, you can put, you can now through science change your brain frequency so you can get into that frequency right now and produce acetylcholine that makes you feel good. It, it would cost, you know, $15,000, $20,000 if you go buy it. Is it safe to do that? Oh, yes, yeah, very safe. One thing is your body never overproduces what you can use. If it doesn't, it just flushes it out. So it's like the bio-identical bio hormones that are out there. Your body, when we take in a foreign substance, of course, the white marker cells go to work and try to get rid of it out of the body. But when it's your own neuromarkers... Your body loves it and enjoys it. And part of, the, part of the process is the brain is using up 25 to 30% of the energy of the body and only weighs 3 to 5 pounds. <clears throat> so it's always looking for ways to conserve energy. So it's always looking to shut down. A good example is if you know how to speak two languages, then you have a circuit in your brain that's still active that somebody only learned how to speak one language deactivated. Because we've learned that language after seven. If we're not having to learn another language, that part of the brain shuts down. These neural circuits either stay wired and firing or they shut down to conserve energy. You referred to the biohacking world. Do you think the biohacking world, as you understand it, is coming closer to what you could call the real world and, and ordinary people who perhaps don't have access to the kind of technology that you've been talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, I think one way you can gauge that is just go to your neighbor and ask them if they've ever meditated or relaxed. Uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when I, was, when I was just starting in this industry and my dad was teaching something called the Silva Method, we were thought of as like aliens from another planet to teach people how to meditate. Now almost everybody knows somebody who meditates. That's biohacking. You know, you can change your brain by changing your state of mind. Instead of waiting for your environment to change, we can change our internal environment and therefore change our biology. It's fascinating stuff. Patrick Porter, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. And now let's talk to our next biohacker. Hey guys, my name is Tom Griffin. I work at Halo Neuroscience and I'm here at the Upgrade XP conference in Los Angeles. Surrounded by a few uh, futuristic looking headsets, headphones, but they've got something in the top of them that look kind of... Uh, dangerous little spiky things what do they do uh, exactly so those are actually electrodes and so the device is applying a mild electrical current to the motor cortex which is the part of the brain that controls movement why would i want to do that 
Um, so what it's doing is it's actually exciting the neurons in that part of the brain, which temporarily increases neuroplasticity. So if you wear this product for 20 minutes, you get an hour of what neuroscientists call hyperplasticity. And what that means is if you pair use of this product with any type of movement-based training, so think skill development, strength, endurance exercises, you're going to be learning that movement at an accelerated rate. So it's, it's preparing your brain. It's hyping your brain up in a, in a sense yeah, you to can, respond better to exercise. Exactly. You can almost think of it as like a warm-up for your brain or a warm-up for your neurons. Or priming your brain. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So all learning in the brain happens through repetition, and repetition creates neural pathways or strengthens existing neural pathways, and that's the process that we are facilitating. So what's the, let's say I was working out in the gym, lifting weights, what's the tangible difference that I would notice in my workout? Yeah, so there's about uh, 4,000 studies over the last 20 years on the underlying technology, which is called transcranial direct current stimulation. And we've also uh, replicated these results with our athletes, teams, U.S. Olympic teams, NBA, MLB, NFL. We work with athletes across every major sport. Uh, what we see in our data, uh, as far as strength goes, is often between around 10 to 20% gains over a control group. Those are with elite-level athletes. That's a lot. Yeah. And does this apply to other activities? What about educational activities, if you're trying to learn something, if you're trying to remember something? Yeah, so, so most of those sort of general cognition capacities, like attention, focus, working memory, that correlate with something like general intelligence, are, are happening in the prefrontal cortex. So that's a different part of the brain. Which is the different part of the brain. So this is only interacting with the movement center of the brain. And to achieve results of this, this isn't something that you wear during your workouts. You, you, as you, we said, priming, this is something you do before? Exactly. So conveniently, you only need to wear this for 20 minutes prior to your workout, and then you can remove the headset and your brain actually stays in that more excited, more malleable state for one hour. Is it safe? Absolutely. And as I mentioned earlier, about 25 years of research behind transcranial direct current stimulation, all points to the safety and efficacy of the technology. It's good to meet you. Thank you very much. Awesome to meet you as well. I'm Christopher Shade. I'm CEO of Quicksilver Scientific. I'm a PhD chemist, and I apply my knowledge to making products for biohacking. And so people ask you, you know, what is biohacking to you? And to me, it's the ability to work on different biochemical pathways in your body and accelerate them or accentuate them at times that you want in order to sometimes be able to have more energy, more focus, or sometimes be able to build more biomass. And biohacking is knowing which pathways to press at which time. And here you'll see a lot of uh, ketogenic diets and the application of ketosis. And because of the pathways that those induce to clean up your cellular metabolism and keep away things like diabetes and cancer. So how do I apply to that? My application is in bioavailability. And I make these things called lipid nanoparticles as delivery devices for these nutraceuticals that we're using to shift the biochemistry. A lot of them in their research on animals or in cell cultures have great promise. But when you're taking capsules of these things, you don't get enough into your blood to really shift things like you like. And so 
we use these delivery systems called uh, nanoemulsions and liposomes in order to get different targeted nutraceuticals immediately into the blood to activate the different pathways that you want to activate. And when you do that, you can go through different biochemical regimes during the course of a day. So let's uh, take a couple of steps back. And you mentioned the ketogenic diet. Yeah. The closest I've come to ketosis is when I do a fasting diet. Right. And clearly, after the blood shows that, after a couple of days, you're into ketosis. You're burning ketone bodies for your energy, and you're not burning glucose. That's my understanding. What I haven't done is followed a, a straight ketogenic diet. I go into ketosis because of the fasting, but I don't follow a ketogenic diet. So for those perhaps who haven't, like me, can you explain what it is? Yeah, so a ketogenic diet, you're going to strongly restrict carbohydrates, maybe 20 grams a day, and have moderate protein, and you're going to get most of your calories from fat. And when you do this, your body shifts into this fat-burning mode, and in this, there's an activation of this element called AMPK, which brings up all these enzymes for burning fat and turns down ones that are made for really putting on mass, things like generating fat for storage, and it puts you instead into a burning state. This has secondary effects of generating more NAD, which is an energy-generating molecule, and in doing so, it activates sirtuins and downstream elements that turn up mitochondrial biogenesis, which gives you more energy, and then turns up longevity genes. So the promise of being in ketosis is quite a promise, but there is a difficulty to eating like that and, and staying like that. And so what we developed in this product, Keto Before Six, is a fast forward where we can pull you into making ketones in as little as two hours. And so not only can you rapidly go into ketosis uh, without stopping dietary inputs of calories, but you can be in ketosis by the day and at night you can eat carbohydrates and uh, protein and rebuild your biomass. So this is a, a hack, a true biohack around keto. And is there strong data to suggest that those shorter periods of ketosis are A, safe and B, beneficial? Yeah, what, what happened over time is the people who were doing long-term keto diets found that they were in this, uh, it's called mTOR blocking, where you're blocking the regrowth of proteins and fat. And staying in that state, which is you're in in ketosis for too long, can really kind of waste away the body. And they found that it was safer and more beneficial for your overall health to do short periods in ketosis and short periods uh, than when they're eating carbs and, uh, and protein. And they would do this like maybe four days in ketosis, three days with carbs and protein, or three and four. And so we just shortened that down to a short period during the during the day where you're developing ketones and then at night you go off but if you want you can also do that's called uh, cyclical keto where you're doing a couple days in and a couple days out and this product can very quickly move you into that state and these are well-known nutraceuticals that have a great safety record and are used uh, for a, a number of aspects uh, mostly around their metabolic effects. In terms of your own life every day, the way that you live, based on what you have learned and, and your research, what is the, to you, the most significant hack? 
overall the most significant biohack? Well, so far this is, this uh, using intermittent fasting or intermittent keto diets, being able to go quickly into ketosis and then come out has given me a level of mental energy and stamina and physical stamina that I never had before. And I've tried everything. And all these things that sort of like boost up your energy, they end up falling flat. This is really a true hack that gets you into the super clean metabolism where you're burning a lot of calories, uh, both from fat and carb at the same time, and gives you all the energy that you need. That's all we're looking for, isn't it? It really is. Lots of energy. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Well, wandering around an event like this, it does sometimes feel like your head is going to explode because, and I mean that in a good way, because there's so much to take in, so much to learn, but I think occasionally it's good just to step back and take a a deep breath. And hopefully James Brown, no, not that James Brown, but James Brown, uh, who is an expert in meditation, has just joined me. Uh, What kind of meditation? So I teach a practice called flow meditation, which is derived from an ancient Vedic technique that can best be described as allowing yourself to meditate, of learning how to get out of the way, of not focusing or concentrating or trying to control the mind, of just allowing the mind to settle. And the most radical thing about that is that it's quite possible to have a deeper experience more easily if you're not trying to have a deep experience because the part of you that tries to have a deep experience is the part of you that keeps you in the shallows. So when you say flow, if we use the expression go with the flow, does that kind of explain what you're talking about? Yeah. Another way to think about it is like a stream, right? We have this idea of the stream of consciousness. When most people come into meditation, they do so because they're having too many thoughts. And nobody I know has says I have too many nice thoughts. Like no one comes to learn to meditate because they say I'm just too filled with compassionate thoughts or loving thoughts. It's that they have too many angry, anxious, worried thoughts, too many negative thoughts. And so it seems counterintuitive to them to say, instead of trying to control those thoughts, what you need to do is just allow that to flow like a stream, right? A stream has a flow. And as a stream flows across a landscape, it's following the natural path across that landscape, the most efficient path. Nobody that I know, except maybe the most anal retentive control freak, would judge the flow of a stream. You know, you'd look at it and go, you know, maybe it's just me, but I don't think I would go left around the rock. I think right would be better. And so what we learn in an approach like Vedic meditation or flow meditation is that if you simply allow the mind to flow without trying to control it using either the breath as a tool or a mantra as a tool, but not as a point of focus, more like a diving board, so you're willing to let it go, that you remove the part of you that judges everything about you and allow the mind to settle into whatever experience it's going to have. So I'm interested in your, maybe your definition, I suppose, as to how your kind of meditation interacts with what this conference is all about, and that is biohacking. Because yeah. meditation, in my mind, has been around for a very, very, very long time. Yes. Whereas biohacking has only really, I think, reached the consciousness of, of a lot of people in the last decade or so. So I think of biohacking as part of a long tradition of humans trying to upgrade their experience of life, right? I think biohacking is a very catchy marketing term to describe the newest front of that endeavor, right? People have been trying to shift consciousness, expand consciousness for as long as humans have been around. And so I think that biohacking is a really great phrase to coalesce a lot of the, the to coalesce around a lot of the, the activities that are at the forefront of that effort. 
But I think it's part of that tradition. In fact, I think meditation you could think of as a hack because it's something that can be quite easy to do and can allow you to reach a state of expansion of awareness more quickly. Right? And I think that's the point of all forms of meditation is to expand awareness. And so the question is, does that have to be a slow process or that can be a quick process? And so I think it's just part of that tradition. So you say an easy thing to do. And, of course, a lot of attention these days to the apps that are doing extremely well, that are helping people mm-hmm. start meditating. Yeah. Do you use apps? I have played around with apps. I learned to meditate before apps became so pl- proliferate. And I, I love apps. But I, I love them for a couple of reasons. I love apps because they open a lot of doors for a lot of people to begin to explore meditation. And then I also like apps because they, while they open those doors, they don't really take you very far. And I would say about 70% of the people I've taught in the last couple of years, last few years, since the apps really came into fruition or into their fullness, have said things like, you know, I was using this app for a while, but, or I was using this app and, and there's this feeling that maybe there's more experience available, or maybe I could benefit from you know, like instruction from a live person. Well, exactly. And that the attention tends to trail off after a period of time. Yeah. And, and I think because, and again, this is going to sound demeaning, but I don't mean it to be demeaning. Apps in general, especially if they use guided meditations, are about the most surface experience you can have and call it meditation. Because when you're listening to a guided meditation, you are actively listening, following instructions, maybe doing some visualization. Those are fairly highly cognitive functions. Right. Um, And I think they can be beautiful experiences, but there are meditation techniques in which you can have a much deeper experience that is beyond the place where you imagine and visualize and and do those things. That's very interesting. So the very fact that you clearly are, you might have, you might be holding your phone, you might have your phone next to you because that's generally how most people are accessing the app. That's still, that's a connection to technology that mm-hmm. we're constantly told these days that the phone is the first thing that we need to put down yeah exactly i mean it's a little it's there's certainly an irony there that said i mean i think phones are fantastic i have one and i think there are legitimate and wonderful uses for phones i think the problem with marrying people too much to their phones is because phones become this way in which we dissipate anxiety you know if you just if you're not a person who's on your phone what you tend to watch is how people use their phones which is in a moment of pause they immediately go to the phone because they can't bear to be with their chattering mind. So they use the phones as, as a release valve. Um, I think that's a really interesting statement about where we are. And But again, I love apps. I think anything that brings people to meditation is great. Exactly. And I was going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah. I really don't want to put down apps. I've no. used meditation apps and have found them extremely yeah. helpful and, yeah. and, and useful and previously wasn't meditating. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, a great value in that. Looking more broadly, as we move to the future, we talk about wellness. We talk about, I talk a lot about health span mm-hmm. as opposed to lifespan. Oh, it's like a number that. of years we can optimize the the best health that we're able to yeah. achieve without focusing on lifespan, the number of years yeah. that our heart is beating, but we may not be enjoying the exactly. best, best of health. So when we're talking about what you do, meditation, biohacking, how do you see us moving forward in terms of the, the emphasis of, of the science? Because I think a lot of people still think in traditional science, that they will go to their doctor and maybe through the eyes of some accept the status quo. Uh-huh. I think that there's a parallel with Newtonian versus quantum physics, right? I think Newtonian physics 
operated in a world where everything was reduced to very specific factors and forces. And I think as we go beyond Newtonian physics into a quantum understanding of the world, we see that everything's related. I think Western medicine, Western um, pharmacology, nutrition is all still very grounded in that reductionist mindset, where if we could just isolate the, the bioflavin in that fruit that's useful, if we could just isolate that marker for that disease. And while there's been enormous progress made along certain points of that path, what gets obscured is that context and this holistic understanding of health and well-being and wellness. And I think that the promise of biohacking is actually to do both of what you were referencing, not just to live longer, but to live well. And in fact, after this interview, I'm going to go do a, a talk, a workshop on on purpose and meaning, because the question is not just how long you live, but how well you live. You know, when Dave Asprey, when I first heard him say that he wanted to be live to 180, my first question was why, right? Oh, and, really? and he, he mine like, would have been how. Well, but why? Like, what? What are you? Gonna, and I think he answered that beautifully in today's session. He wants to use the energy and capacity and the time he has to spread this idea of wellness and transition. But you know, it, it's. It's not just about accumulating years. That's sort of like accumulating wealth, right? The question is, what are you going to do with it? So I think, so I think that I think biohacking is very in alignment in its purest expression with the the question you raised about not just how long but how well. So just in closing, from your work with meditation, your mm-hmm. practice of meditation, and what you've understood from your own personal research and, and, and practice over mm-hmm. a number of years, how do you apply it to your life now that makes a significant difference, perhaps compared with the life that you were living 20 or 30 years ago? So maybe the way to answer this question is, is sometimes people say, why do you still meditate? Because I still meditate twice a day. Um, and if I'm teaching, I'll meditate more often. And I have friends who have been on the fence, and maybe they'll learn from someone else. They find it weird to learn from me. And they say, well, why do you still meditate? You no longer seem stressed. You no longer are overweight. You sleep better. Like, why? And I said, for the same reason I sharpen my knives. But isn't that a bit like saying, you know, why do you eat tomorrow having eaten today? Exactly, yeah. And I think, that, I think that there's this notion in society that meditation is a chill pill, that I do it when I'm stressed. It's sort of like a lifesaver or something. And I think that's unfortunately, that it's an intervention. Like when meditation gets put into a school, it's because the school is doing really badly and they need it as an intervention. I think that meditation is a tool that actually sharpens you. It makes you more perceptive, more aware, more conscious, more capable. And so that's the impact it has in my life. Like I, I continue to derive enormous benefit from it. They're just different benefits than when I started. James Brown's really been a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Thank you very much very indeed. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Peter. I appreciate it. So my name is Dr. Raleigh Duncan. I'm the founder and co-owner of uh, Clearlight Infrared Jacuzzi Saunas, and we're here at Dave Asprey's Upgrade Conference. You caught my eye because I've read a lot about infrared saunas yes. recently and, and the potential benefits, and we're in the middle of the expo here, so I made a beeline to you because I, I do find this very interesting. What is the benefit of a, a sauna like this? So there are many benefits, so let's just start with sauna itself, all right? A couple of years ago, a, a really exciting research study came out, and, and the research study was over 20 years and with 2,300 participants. So that's, there's very few studies of that nature. And it came out of Finland, and it said that if you will use a sauna four times a week, you will have a 52% less chance of sudden cardiac death. 
Now that's huge because death by heart attack is one of the major killers. But then it went on to find out that you will have a 40% less chance of all-cause mortality. That's cancer, diabetes. So, yeah. Now, do those statistics take into account other aspects of your lifestyle? Clearly what you're eating, the extent to which you exercise, it doesn't? No. This was just, it pitted people that took a one sauna or no sauna every week against those that took four. All right. So if you took once on any week, uh, once a week, you would get some benefit. But this was against against that person if you took a sauna four times a week. Okay. And a, a long study. There's very few studies of that length or with that many participants. So we're standing outside one of your saunas right now. I tell you what. Shall we just step inside? Yeah. Let's go in. Just to it's, it's see warm what it's in like. Here. Oh my goodness. Now we're in. <laughs> here we can sit def- down. Definitely switch yep. on. Yes. All right. Wow. It feels like a very, I don't know how to describe it, a clean heat? Well, it's different. So we just came into the sauna, and this is our yoga sauna. It is a sauna, and we take the benches out. It becomes a hot yoga room. So what immediately you feel, we're being surrounded by these infrared heaters on all sides. So initially, when you come in, it feels a little warm, but now you're starting to feel the infrared wavelengths start to come into the body. And I think where is is perhaps different from other saunas is that the heat is all around you. It isn't yes. just being propelled from one corner. Right. Well, normally the, the standard type of box, what we call a box of hot rock sauna, heats the air up to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, you'll notice that the air temperature in here is very easy to breathe, but you're feeling warm, and this will start to build as the infrared comes into the body. Well, the electronic display just behind your head says 139 degrees Fahrenheit. Right? Yeah, so that's not too bad. That's tolerable. But I imagine we'll be, we've been here, what, a minute or so. I'm beginning to sweat already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it happens, and it comes in. So infrared is very safe. It's very effective. Uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, uh, doctors have used it for years to treat muscle pain and a tight muscle. So that's what you're feeling coming into the body. But normally when you're using the infrared for a spot treatment, let's say on a chronic shoulder, you know, that's very tight. In here, what's happening, we're getting what I call uh, a global infrared from all sides. So that's a global vasodilation is happening. Vasodilation is just a fancy word for blood vessels opening up. So that's how it works. Part of it is that now you're getting this all over. So when that happens, your blood pressure drops and then the body senses that and it says, we better start pumping the heart. So start a cardiac, what I call a passive cardio, start pumping the heart, but you're in a very relaxed state. It's not like you're working out. I can feel it. Yeah. This is fascinating. Let's just step outside. Okay. One, because <laughs> I'm beginning warm. to feel it yeah. a little yeah, too We much. don't want to schwitz. Because we're not, we're not dressed for it. Yeah. Perhaps you don't need to be dressed for something like this. No. <laughs> um, I'm curious, we are, as I say, in the middle of the, the expo yes. here. I'm talking to a lot of people this week about biohacking and what it means, or what it will mean in the future in terms of our well-being and our health span. And when do you think that what is generally understood now as biohacking will begin to help many, many people around the world? Perhaps those that couldn't afford to be at a, an event like this or perhaps right. to invest in, in even something exactly. like this. Exactly. When, when do you think that will come? Oh, I think it's happening right now. Now, when will it come on a larger scale? As these, uh, what is called new technologies now, when I started 22 years ago, this was really new technology. Infrared saunas were not known. 
at all. But now it's being adopted more and more, and that's how things come into the mainstream. Now, saunas have been used for millennia in, in every culture as a way to stay healthy and boost the immune system to relax tired and aching muscles. So we know that that works. This is what I call the urban nomadic sweat lodge. So you can set it up very easily, just plug it in, and within an hour or so you've got a sauna in your house. If you move, you just take it with you. So I think time-wise people are adopting this, and it, yeah, it will take time for everyone to have it. My vision is that everyone can have some sort of sauna in their home so they can remove the toxins, relax, and just have a better life very easily. You don't have to work out. You don't have to do anything strenuous. Just get in the sauna, maybe listen to some nice music on the speakers, and relax for 20 minutes. That's all that's required. Well, I guess it's a nice thing to do after you've been working out. Yes. It, it, after you work out, it will remove the lactic acid and help to ease, and then next day you won't feel so sore. So that's how it works. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Well, thanks for stopping by. Some wonderful food for thought there, and I particularly enjoyed Dave Osprey's thoughts on biohacking being for everyone. It doesn't have to be a major change, a huge investment. Sometimes the simplest of things can make a difference. Anyone can afford to have a bedroom that's dark, and that alone can change your blood sugar regulation and improve how long you're going to live because you sleep better. It's actually cheaper to turn the water to cold at the end of your shower in the morning than it is to keep it hot. This is a zero-cost intervention. Well, thank you to everyone I met at the 6th Annual Biohacking Conference. Thanks to Upgrade Labs for making it possible. And if you'd like to find out more about any of the topics we discuss, there are links and connection details in the show notes for this episode at the Live Long and Master Aging website, llamapodcast.com. That's double L-A-M-A, podcast.com. And if you enjoy what you hear, you can rate and review us at Apple Podcasts. We'd be very grateful for that. Many thanks for listening and hopefully... I'll see you at the next conference. FlexBeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rud. Whenever you put the FlexBeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibres that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. Flexbeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a Flexbeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.